open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We have with us Rosello Lopez. He's the founder of CoinBR. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Rosello. Thank you very much to invite me here. Yeah, so you're one of our uh, big leaders in Brazil. Can you tell us a little bit about CoinBR? Like, what do you guys do? Okay, basically, we started in 2013. We started to do especially mining, and uh, we kind of developed, put the team together because uh, I do invest in another business, Voice Over IP brought guys over so they could actually understand and get involved. But the main focus in the beginning was mining. But then when we saw the possibility in Brazil, the possibility because Brazil do a lot of uh, buy stuff from China, we do a lot of those things. And then I saw like, well, that could be a very good possibility for, for people to be able to transfer money overseas or even to buy Bitcoin. And it was a huge need in the market back then. So, and then especially because people was, was really worried about it. Uh, okay, so I, I send my money to that company, I don't know them. So then we create something, say, you know what? We're not gonna wait, we're gonna uh, let you wait to get Bitcoin. Send the money to us, send the Bitcoin to you. So, and if you wanna sell your Bitcoins, send your Bitcoin to us, here's the money. So we make it that happen to be fast. But in that, of course, we do need a Bitcoin in our wallet. So then we then have to invest in mining too. So that's exactly what we did. That's exactly the concept for, for CoinBR. We're going to be launching next year something called for the, the merchants going to accept Bitcoin as well on, on the shop. So then we're going to make it even easier and then, of course, to have more Bitcoins in the market. So now we start the process to make CoinBR a company that is doing services, this is developing solutions using the blockchain. So what type of volumes are we seeing so far in Brazil? Oh, and has it been growing? Yeah, Brazil, I mean, uh, in a very, in a good days, we do 1,000 Bitcoins a day. 1,000 Bitcoins? In the Brazilian market? In the Brazilian market. In Brazil, there is uh, like good, good corporation, like this exchange they do. We are around, I think, like six companies, including CoinBR. But the average volume in Brazil is 400 Bitcoins. Okay. So uh, it's a kind of, it's a very small market compared uh, to China or even to Europe or compared to the United States. But 500 Bitcoins a day, it's a very good number as the Bitcoins right now. And the Brazilian economy is getting ready to, I mean, it's a complete mess, uh, yeah. right, yeah. isn't it? Can, can you talk a little bit about how uh, you mentioned like the import-export businesses with China? Like why, why, what advantages will these Brazilian companies have using Bitcoin with their Chinese counterparts? You know what, Trace, that is a very good question because... People, they don't know exactly how to transfer money out of Brazil. It's difficult. So let's say a company, they, we buy a lot of electronics, uh, such as everybody else in the world. We buy that from China or materials or a lot of things we buy from China. But when you import something from China and you have to make the payment, you have to be prepared to fill out at least like 10 different forms. 
It's a very complicated uh, system. You need the approval from the central bank because you cannot send money overseas if there is no invoice, if they don't know exactly what you buy, and, of, and plus, if you buy something from China and it's a very cheap price, they want to know why it's so cheap. So, and then if you say, like, well, but I just buy some, whatever you say, I'm buying rubber bands. Yeah, but that rubber band in a local, local market, let's say it's $1 per unit, but you buy from one cent, something's wrong. So the government get involved and then they want to stop your to do the transfer. Then there we go. And let's say everything is right. So go to the bank, 45 days later, you're going to probably get the approval if it's your first buy. So that is too complicated. So then Bitcoin is a very good solution. If you're uh, the, the, the person that you buy stuff or the company that's selling stuff to you accept Bitcoin, there we go. Is it something in one hour later, done. Then they'll send the materials to Brazil. All you need to show them, okay, here's the invoice. It's already paid. They already told me that it's paid. Done. Problem solved. So that will speed up a lot. And some companies now are developing something. Okay, the, the Chinese do not accept Bitcoin. But there is some trader in China that will take your Bitcoin and will pay the Chinese. That problem solved. That, but the problem is, in Brazil, we don't have enough Bitcoin yet to support all that stuff. So it's starting only now. And the banks are a little bit upset with that situation. I don't know if it's fear or what, but for people that import things from China, Bitcoin is a fantastic solution to import it. Now, a couple of years ago, I was actually uh, speaking at a conference and I sat next to someone from the Brazilian Central Bank uh, for lunch and we had a nice cordial discussion about Bitcoin. I like to think I helped open a door because now you've actually gone and spoken with the central bank, right? Yeah. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I did. I went in, a, in Congress in, in Brasilia three weeks ago, about three weeks ago. I was invited to go there to talk about Bitcoin and uh, to speak with them, to tell them exactly what are we doing. So the central bank, and then we have a department called COAF, they are responsible to all the money laundry, um, tax evasion, and everything. Like they are the one that is overwatching that, that kind of thing. And they were there too. And they are concerned. Because until that moment, no one showed up over there and say, Hey guys, we represent the Bitcoin community. Was everybody afraid to go there and to be banned or they say, no, we're doing something illegal. So then there we go. I went there to speak with them. And for my surprise, a little bit, Nobody knew anything about it. People are talking about, well, it's a very small market. They were thinking about that we are trading maybe 10 Bitcoins a day. Then you were surprised. <laughs> yeah, when we saw like, oh, yeah, 100 times that. Yes, 100 times that. And even when they mentioned, well, globally, we've seen things happening over there, and they have a very bad image what exactly was happening. But their main point, and they mentioned that to me, was... We never knew with who do we have to ask for the questions or nothing like that. Finally, we know you. Finally, we know there is a community behind. Finally, we know there's 50,000 members on the, on the Facebook community. That is, it's a huge number. So then what I told them, guys, we do exist and we are open to talk. I did explain to them, we are getting tax ID number for people that want to buy Bitcoin. So that laundry money stuff, forget about it because we are already one step ahead. We are asking for the proof of residence, proof of ID. Some of the corporation already start to say, if I don't see you on Skype or Hangout, I'm not going to sell Bitcoin to you. 
So the companies they already put all the KYC, AML in place before even they talk. They are concerned, of course they are, because that is a very good technology, everybody's concerned, and now at least they open the doors to us for that, go there and talk to them. I think that was a massive uh, approach, I mean, for us, it was very good. I was happy with the situation, and I, I think, well, I'm, I'm not saying everybody, like, but most of the people, they, they are really, really uh, uh, thankful what happened there. Yeah, and they, you know, they, they look at all the negative bad press, they don't have anyone they can actually ask a question to, mm -hmm. what, what are they supposed to do, right? Yeah, exactly, they didn't till that moment, now they do. Yeah, now they've got someone that they, a friendly face in the community, they can call up and be like, hey, what's a, a UTXO? Yeah. Oh, well, this is what a UTXO is. This is how it is used with mining and blah, 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 blah. Like, you you know, that that goes a long ways, I think, for helping build the bridges. Yes, and then also, I mean, I think CoinBR, we've been sending technicians, we've been sending people all over the world. Like, uh, I have one of my technicians in Hong Kong right now. He was in London talking about, even it's not in Bitcoin, what is about talking about Ethereum, but he was there. Because somehow it's related. Yeah. And then we have like Safidi went in London and went in Hong Kong. Safidi is the CEO of CoinBR. We, we are here. We have eight people in total from CoinBR here, from Costa Rica, uh, from Germany. So we have the people that come here. And also that is good for the future in Brazil too, because when the central bank comes to us, or COAFI, or our, our uh, Receita Federal, it's our tax department over there, is the IRS from the United States. When they come to ask questions, we have enough experience. We can tell them what's going on in Mexico, what's going on in Argentina, what's going on in London, in England, whatever. We have experience, and we are investing a lot of that. Now, another thing I find very interesting is, you know, I've, I've talked with quite a bit of miners, mm -hmm. and it's all about, oh, the mining power is all in China. But really, you know, there's actually mining power in Iceland, there's mining power in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Maybe you can talk about mining power in South America. Yeah, okay, cool. That, yeah, that's for sure. In Brazil, it's impossible to mine because of the price of the electricity. It's way too high. It's very expensive, plus tax, plus all the things that end the limitation. A company in Brazil, like a normal company, cannot have more than 10 megawatts. That's it. You cannot. You have to be a huge industry, so then you can do that. So then, of course, like Colombia, we start to look in the entire South America. Where could we go? And our neighbor have one of the biggest hydroelectric plants, the power plants in the world, and it's our neighbor. So then I went in Paraguay, in Cidad del Este, and uh, this power plant is uh, called Itaipu. It's managed by the Brazilians, but it's a, a half and half Paraguay in Brazil. Brazil bought, buy from them the electricity that they do not use. Paraguay only needs 3% of the entire energy oh that they generated. Only three. It only needs 3% out of this, the total capacity the total of this capacity. Hydro, hydroelectric power yes. plant. Yes, and in Brazil, buy the entire uh, the rest. And the Brazilian government pay less than one cent of dollar per kilowatt. Oh my gosh, less than one penny per kilowatt. Per, per kilowatt. Because even the cheapest electricity in the Pacific Northwest is like 1.9 kilowatt, yeah. 1.9 cents per kilowatt. Per so you're getting it almost half the price of the cheapest yeah. in the entire United States. Yeah, well, that's what the Brazilian woman is getting. So the Brazilian government yeah, gets well, that. Yeah, well, we, we get, I think, 3.5 uh, uh, cents of dollar per kilowatt. Okay. So it's very so cheap. So you're at least competitive. Oh, yes. 
it's a very cheap compared to the world. Like, let's say in the United States have one point nine, but the majority is going to be like five to seven. Oh yeah, California is like fourteen cents per kilowatt, <laughs> depending on what time of day and everything. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can get you can get some good deals in like Texas or uh, the Pacific Northwest, but still, like three and a half cents per kilowatt, you're pretty darn competitive. Yes, I'm very, that's the good thing about it. I'm very competitive. Plus, I don't have the limitation. The enough energy that Paraguay generate. They already told me if you need one megawatt, hundred megawatts, two hundred megawatt, there we go. We supply. I am six kilometers from the power plant. Only six kilometers. So for me, it's even on the new one that we are building. We are building an entire facility prepared only for mining. Oh, hold on. So you bought the land. You built the building. This is like all custom built in Paraguay to take advantage of the electricity coming from uh, this hydroelectric facility. Yeah, exactly. The go- we went there, we spoke with the government, we spoke with, uh, with Itaipu, we asked them, how can you get a cheaper electricity? How can you get make even more competitive? Because our idea is not just yeah, to mine the, for us. That's the input cost. Like our, our cost of goods sold is how much is electricity is. Exactly. If we want to compete against the Chinese and bring jobs and industry and build real estate here in Paraguay, like we got to be competitive against them. So how are we going to do that? Exactly. What, what was their response? Well, their response was amazing. They said, listen, if you do build your new facility on a place that is close to the power plant and you can resell the energy, but you also have to build a substation. Okay, deal done. If you're gonna drop my price to around two cents per kilowatt and I can resell that energy to everybody, perfect, I will do, no problem at all. So they said, all right, go ahead and do it. They give the approval, we already started, we bought the land already, we are now we're in the first stage, we already have the entire architect uh, thing done, all the draws and everything, now we only need the approval, and then that's it. 2016, we're gonna be building the most efficient power mining uh, power plant in the world. And we can compete with the Chinese. We can. Because the next step with the government is, listen, we can bring companies over here. Can you waive the import tax? Yeah, because South America loves to tax their electronics. It's like 100% tariff in most places, right? So yeah. you're, you're saying, look, we gotta, since we don't have semiconductor plants here in Paraguay, we're going to have to bring over the mining equipment from China, but if we got to pay 100% on it, we can't bring it in cost-effectively. I mean, what's the response to that? Yeah, well, Do they want to create the jobs in Paraguay? Well, uh, I mean, Do they the, want to bring this industry there? The, the good thing about Paraguay, they're already a pretty low tax income. Oh, yeah, it's only like 10%. Yes, they already right? do. They are doing 10% for large, large corporations, but we, we want to drop that. Even we want to drop to zero. So their first response was, we can talk about it. Build first. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Build first, then come back and talk to us. We, no problem. Because our, our idea, our plan is to do that. We can bring more jobs. We can give more jobs. But you have to help us. And plus, I put in some way like, I want to beat the Chinese. <laughs> Who doesn't? I want to beat the Chinese. Okay, we're going to use them to manufacture. I'll tell them to send over here what we good with the Paraguayans. They are very good and make the energy. They are very good on it. They have like the transformers, the, the copper over there, it's very cheap. They own that situation, they're very good. So let's use the good thing that Paraguay has. The land is pretty cheap. So every, and then they have a very good land over there, a lot, and it's close to Brazil, and it's close to Argentina. 
So you can have a very a nice a barbecue meat, and then you can have a very good wine in Argentina, and the same day. So it's a, it's a very good combination. And Paraguay wines, they, they actually they welcome us very very good. They so they've been so helpful in everything we ask. We show them everything, and there is no moment, it never happened, that said, well, we don't like that. It was the other way around. Cool, let's talk. It's all the time like that. They didn't stop us, but, I mean, they are, they are doing their part. What about the Bitcoin community in Latin America? You know, Brazil's the largest economy in Latin America by far. It seems that Bitcoin's had a little bit of trouble getting traction there, but what about these other countries? What about Paraguay and Uruguay and Argentina and Chile and Colombia and Mexico? I've been, I've been in most of those countries and uh, on my tour to learn about Bitcoin. And Chile, they just starting, they want to put somehow, but the competition against the bank over there, it's huge, the bank and Chile, they are very efficient. So, and then for them, even for the Chile to send money overseas, it's not a big deal. It's yeah, easy it's to do. really easy. Yeah, it's very easy. Yeah. Uh, Argentina, they are facing problems in the economy right now, and actually Bitcoin came to help them, so the importers can export, I mean, the exporter can export wine overseas and get paid, and the government will not take their money. So uh-huh. it was a very good one. Uruguay, they are a little bit afraid about it. They are a little bit worried how to put that on, on inside the country, but they start to open the doors now. Well, matter of fact, next week we're going to be there talking about this in a, with a meeting with some bankers over there. So they already start to open. Paraguay, they have no clue what Bitcoin is, but they open the doors for us to introduce on the, on the economy. Most of the people, they don't know that. But Cidad del Este in Paraguay, when it comes to electronic, it's only lose in, in the capacity or selling to China. It's one of the largest uh, sales for electronics in the world. And most of the people, they don't know that because it's only 10% import tax. All the Brazilians, they fly to Paraguay, and they buy it, they buy over there, and they go back. Plus, <laughs> Paraguay and Brazil, we, we have our border, we can cross walking. It's easy to do. The Argentinians do the same. Because so, it's all Mercosur, right? Exactly, it's yeah. all Mercosur. And the very important thing is, the import tax to Paraguay to import stuff from China, it's only 10%. And some occasions, believe it or not, it's cheaper than, than the United States. Sometimes you can buy a, a new phone, like an iPhone 6, cheaper in, in Paraguay than in the United States. Why? Just because of the import tax? Is that because in the United States, 14%. Yeah, and everything. You know, it's a 14%. In Paraguay, it's only 10%. And they get everything. Well, if something is brand new in the United States, go to Paraguay. I can have over there. Why have to go all the way to Miami? You don't need to do that. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I have friends in Uruguay, and they're always like, oh, you need to bring me something. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> like, I can't. <laughs> but, and then the Bitcoin in Brazil, like, is just starting, but there is a problem. The reason that Bitcoin is not taking off how should in Brazil, it's a very simple to explain. The Brazilians, they don't believe at first. They really want to see, they want to touch. They, they want to see exactly where is that. Is, is the experience of the Venezuelans and the Argentines, is that bleeding over to the Brazilians? 100%, yes. It, and it, it's come from there. And the, all the Brazilians, they, are, they have this fear someone is going to take advantage, someone is going to steal their money. We faced that in, on the past. When the, like, we had a president called President Collor, they just froze all the accounts. Nobody could take their money out of the bank. So we had those situations, like banks closed in Brazil, sorry, made a mistake. 
And that's it. <laughs> we'll take a zero off. <laughs> that's it. You know what I mean? So the Brazilians, they're always afraid of that. There is too much scams in Brazil. So it's hard for them to believe at first. But little by little. As they use it. Yeah, as they use it and begin to experience the monetary sovereignty yeah. of it. So you're saying that the Brazilians have this same type of cultural apprehension towards trusted third parties as the Argentines, as the Venezuelans, mm-hmm. as pretty much everybody yeah, <laughs> in yeah. South America. Yeah, exactly. South America, we had this, this situation. But like I said, we always take a little while, but when it takes off, then does very good. This, the, the bank system in Brazil is one of the best ones in the world. Well, that's why they make a lot of money, because they do their job very, very good. But, well, it's like bank-to-bank transfer in Brazil takes like five to ten minutes compared to the old, like... The, oh, the that's entire... faster than the United States. Exactly. It's a very good system. But they have to trust. They need that trust. And then same thing, I mean, it's, it's like for the Bitcoin. Most of them, they worry. Okay, hold on a sec. I have to transfer my money to like a company that has two kids working from home and they never had that kind of money on their bank account. And what happens if this kid runs my money tomorrow? Mm. So they are worried about it. But now, because they see, well, this kid hasn't been in the market for more than a year. I think I can trust him. They start a little, little by little. So now it's getting there. It's getting there. And then, of course, uh, that's what CoinBR is going to do for 2016, is to bring more and more people to see how we do, to visit our office. We are in Avenida Paulista in Sao Paulo, which is like the center of the financial system of Sao Paulo. We are right there. We can bring people. I want to show what Bitcoin is. That's how you download. That's how you install. That's how you buy. So you, now, I think 2016 is going to be the moment to tell people how to use in a very smart way. And I think that is our role for, for, for 2016. So, you know... One of the things I like to ask all my guests is, why do they hire Bitcoin? Like, if Bitcoin, if you're, if you're hiring it to do a job or provide a service, what is it that you hire Bitcoin for? What is it that you hire Bitcoin for? Well, I probably, I would probably say, number one, for safe. I mean, I feel safe having the Bitcoin in my hand, not putting my money in the bank. And I think it's the fastest way to pay anything, to buy anything. And that's the one, some, something that when I introduce the Bitcoin to people, what I tell, you have the control. You are in control all the time of the financial, the, your money or your investment. You can use, look at Bitcoin as an investment, as a way of payment, as uh, you can even say, I can use Bitcoin to travel, to go to Disneyland. You can save that money. So I think people in Brazil, the first thing that they would do with the Bitcoin we're going to use as an investment. That is the first thing that most of them are doing. So they're going to speculate on the price. Is, yeah, exactly. And, and the way that we tell the merchants or even the stores to accept Bitcoin, the way we approach them is pretty much simple. Listen, how many people are going to pay in Bitcoin? Probably like 1% of your income or even less than that. Why not take that 1%, hold it, do not sell it, and wait on the moment that you need it then you can use to buy a trip to, to Disneyland or you can go to Europe or you can convert that in euros and travel because if you go to the bank and convert in euros, they'll say, okay, your limit is 3,000 and that's the, the, you pay 6.38% straight away on top of that and that is the price that you're going to pay. Why not use that as a savings account and 
the moment you have enough, you can travel. Yeah, so, you, so use it as a speculative savings account where you've got the financial sovereignty and the control over it without having to have someone else babysit you and tell you what to do with your money. Exactly. And the banks, they are, they are already charging for a lot of services. So everything, okay, if you want to, like I said, you want to buy euros, 6.38% on top of the price in the market. Plus, uh, if I have to transfer for a card, then plus that fee. Or if you need two cards, one for you and another for what? Plus that fee. Another fee. <laughs> and then fee comes, comes, comes. But when you tell the merchant or uh, the guy that is receiving, why not do little by little? In one year time, there we go. It's over there. Nobody babysit your money. No one take fees and fees and fees and fees. And maybe when you're going to use that, I always explain to people, two months ago, it was a $250. Now it's $400. Now, now it's $400. There we go. Let's say if you sold, like one of my clients, they sell uh, whiskey. Let's say you sell a bottle of whiskey for $250. Right now, you just sold the same bottle for $400. That's exactly how it works. Well, it could be $240. Then you hold. Then you have, you have the power of the decision to say, you know what? I will convert in euros, I will convert in US dollars, I will convert in yen. You don't have to convert in reais, go to the bank, can you please convert well, it for what, what they do, take it into reals, they they sell for 250 how much are they going to get, 230 after fees and everything? Oh, definitely. I mean, really, like, you're yeah. taking a guaranteed loss yeah. to convert it into reals. Yeah. So why not just hold it into Bitcoin? Exactly, exactly. And plus, you, it's like most of the people I tell them, right now, Unfortunately, we need to convert to some currents that you're going to use somewhere. In a few years, you don't have to do conversions anymore. Basically, you say, you know what? I'm going to pay my trip with my Bitcoins. You know, I'm going to that hotel because that hotel has a Bitcoin. Now, you control, you hold it, and you decide when you're going to spend and where you're going to spend. Monetary sovereignty. Boom. Boom. You hold the private keys. Yes, exactly. You make the rules. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is that that is the most fantastic thing that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto did for us. And I remember one of the senators called me after the meeting, and then we talking. And after I explained everything, the thing, the question that he came to me said, "Like, who the hell is this guy?" Oh well, that's the biggest secret of the industry. Nobody knows. <laughs> with that, we've had a tremendous interview with Rosella Lopez, the founder of CoinVR. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. Um, welcome, and I hope to see you guys soon. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.